Well, temporarily, how could that work for them? Probably could work pretty well. Temporarily. So that's always a, a temptation for us, on, uh, for, for Christians today, is that, you know, uh, we, we live in a kind of crazy world now, and uh, they don't like nonconformists. They don't. Whether it's at work or whatever, they just don't like that. And a, and a tendency could be, uh, you, uh, remember what Jesus said in, in Luke uh, chapter 14. He said, before you become a Christian, before you become a follower of mine, you need to sit down and do what? Count the cost. Count the cost. <clears throat> you need to count the cost. And he likened it to a man building a house. He said, who wants to build a house and quit halfway through? Uh, you become a laughing stock. Well, he didn't have the money to finish the house. So even Jesus, the Lord himself said, now, if he says to count the cost, what does that imply? There is a cost. There is a cost. And Jesus said, now if you, if you sit down and you say, uh, I can't do this. The cost is too great. It, at least Jesus says, I don't know if he's okay with it, but at least he understands, okay, that's your, that's your call. And you'll have to pay the consequences at the end, but at least you're not going to go through the, a charade. Uh, count the cost. So, in effect, that's what the, the Hebrew writer is saying. You folks need to count the cost. What, is, what are the costs? Well, what's the eternal cost? You lose your soul. You lose your soul. And so Paul gives, uh, Paul, the Hebrew writer gives all these reasons why you can't turn back. And he says, because Jesus is better. Jesus is better, and, and, and let's, let's give me some ways. Jesus is better. He's a better what? He's a better high priest. Now, did the Jews understand the high priesthood? The priesthood under the old law? Oh, of course. So, in what way was Jesus, or is Jesus a better high priest? Well, what did a high priest do under the old law? Sacrifices God. He interfaced with God, and, and once a year he went in and sacrificed for himself and for the people. He was a big deal. He was a big deal. And so he says, Jesus is a better high priest. <clears throat> Pardon me. Does Jesus have to enter into something once a year to offer sins for us? One time. One time for all time. He's a better high priest. He didn't have to die every day or every week or every year just to shed his blood for us. He already did it. He's better. He's, he's, got, he's in a better system. It's, it's a better sacrifice. In what way? What, what way is Jesus a better sacrifice as compared to the old way of doing things, of the Jewish laws? Well, Jesus says we had to travel to offer our own burnt offerings for sin, right? <clears throat> well, there was some that involved. That's a good point, too, Tony. I didn't think about that, actually. But that's a good point. There, there was, it, was, it was inconvenient at times, wasn't it? What else, Michelle? Jesus was a human being and a perfect one at that. Right. Um, what kind of sacrifices? Can you sacrifice to God without blood? No. You cannot. Or the old law, the new law. Blood's involved. 
And if you sacrifice your blood, what does that imply? Something's got to die. Yeah. Something's got to give. Some, something or some person's got to give their life. Something's got to die. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Under the old law, there was this continual. It was, uh, I mean, blood ran in the streets from the amount of sacrifice, animal sacrifices. And can animal sacrifices permanently take away human sins? No. no. God said it couldn't. And we see that in chapter 9. It talks about the conscience. And then in chapter 10, verse 2, he says all of those blood sacrifices, which God required, it's not like He didn't require it. It was a physical thing, and it cleansed them, so to speak. But it didn't permanently cleanse them. It could not cleanse the conscience. Chapter 9, chapter 10. So, Jesus is a better high priest. Has better sacrifices. Uh, in what other ways uh, is Jesus better? So he said, don't turn back now because all of these reasons. Jesus is so much better. He was one sacrifice. Okay, one sacrifice. What on the old law? How many sacrifices? Every year. Literally over over the decades and decades, millions probably of sacrifices. Jesus won. Animal sacrifice, Jesus, human sacrifice for you and me. Okay? What about a covenant? Uh, Jesus is, is the writer saying there's actually a better covenant. What is a covenant? If we have a covenant between well, between countries, between people. Uh, what is a covenant? An agreement. An agreement. Okay. Agreement between two parties. And what was this covenant? What's what's the what was the what was the new covenant? <clears throat> how was that? <clears throat> pardon me. How is that a better deal? It was an agreement to accept Jesus as your Savior. Okay. And to repent your sins and clear your conscience. So that you would go to heaven. Okay. And God would accept you. Okay. Um, in chapter 9, the one thing we're, we're memorizing is Jesus uh, is a better tabernacle, has a better tabernacle. Now, let's go back a little bit. What did the old tabernacle do or what did it represent? What, what, was, the, what was the tabernacle? Uh, was it portable? Yeah. yeah. For about how long? Yeah. For about 40 years. <clears throat> they, they erected it, they tore it down, they moved it, and all of those Jewish, some say as many as 5 million people, wandered through the desert for 40 years because they rebelled against God. And they would erect a tabernacle, and it, the tabernacle was made of what? what? Did you just erect anything you wanted to, or did no. God give a pattern for that tabernacle? God gave a pattern. Won't you do it this way? And how is that tabernacle divided? We're going to see how Jesus is better than that. But anyway, let's talk. How is that divided? First of all, who could go into the tabernacle? You know, I'm passing by on the way to 7 Eleven. Well, I'm not nothing. And I think I'll stop in the tabernacle and see, see what's up. I don't think so. Under the old law. Who went into the you had the holy place, they call it the holy place, had a veil here, holy place, 
had another veil called the second veil. Then you had the most holy place. That's the tabernacle. And that represented God's presence. Who went into the, to the holy place? On a daily basis. The high priest. The priest. And they, they burnt uh, incense and they had uh, sacrifices and they had all of these things. Who went into the most holy place? The high priest. How, well, did he just stroll in anytime he wanted to? No. Once a year. Right? Once a year. If the high priest, and he was, once a year he could go in. He could not go in twice a year. Once a year. So that's the old tabernacle, and they were. He was offering blood sacrifices, and they had, you know, the showbread that they made, you know, fresh ones. We had all of those accoutrements. Um, well, how is Jesus a better tabernacle? Remember, what does the, the tabernacle represent? God's presence. How is Jesus a better tabernacle? It's for eternity. Pardon? It's for eternity. It's for eternity. That's a good one. What else? That's a good one. Uh, there's no restrictions. The presence of God. The presence of God. Oh, what, what does it say here in chapters 8 and 9 about uh, is, is Jesus, when He died on the cross and His blood, uh, He shed His blood on the cross so that we'll have hope one day. Mm -hmm. Have hope. Become children of His. Where is He? Vacation. In he may be in Hawaii. He's, he's had, a, had a tough... No. Where is he? He's seated at the right hand of God. Well, what's he doing? He pleads our case. He intercedes for us. He's our mediator. He has God's ear. He is God. But he's God the Son, and he pleads our case. You know, you, you can almost put your name in this. You know, uh, Father, Nelma's struggling down there. She's had some health issues and this and that. Uh, I, I had some health issues too when I was on the earth. I died. And I understand her, or I understand him. or under, I, I, I like somebody to plead my case. My sister was an attorney. You know what she did for a living? She pled the case. She pled the case for her client. In that case, the client was the government, but she pled the government's case. Well, Jesus is a, is a better, um, uh, he's a better tabernacle, if you will. So how, well, I answered that already, but how often is he able to go into God's presence once a year, once a day? All the time. All the time. That's very comforting. He doesn't get tired. And, but what if it's three in the morning? It's okay, he's there. You ever wake up in the morning and something's bothering you? Yes. Yes, well, we all have, Tony. Uh, and you say, well, you know what? We don't have to say, what if God's awake? I'd like, to, I'd like to pour out my heart here to him about something. Don't worry about that. Because in the tabernacle, a lot of the time, it was empty. There was nobody there to plead your case. And, and God was standing off. I mean, the people, they didn't have access to God. Do we have access to God now? Yes, 24-7. 24-7. So he was a better tabernacle. <clears throat> he uses all these Jewish analogies because he's dealing with Jewish Christians. And Jewish people would certainly understand what he's talking about. 
at least they'll have information. After they, they get through all this, they'll have information to make a choice. Do we stick? Or do we give up and go back? That's, that's the book of Hebrews. Now there's a, a thousand different details in there, but that's the book. That's the book. Questions, comments? And it's a permanent forgiveness. Yes, it is. Uh, once um, under him. No, that's exactly right. We're, we're going to have a class uh, today at our immediately after service at our house for the, we call it the women's work group over age 40. Um, they, uh, the topic today is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness. Um, I don't want to give away too much because some of you all are in here. <clears throat> but forgiveness, sometimes it's harder because this is permanent, isn't it? Sometimes when God forgives us of our sins, what can we do sometimes? He forgave us. Well, God forgives. He forgets. What do we have a tendency to do sometimes? Do it again. Remember. Well, we could do it again. We could. It's hard for us to forget. Particularly if we've done some, some bad things in our lives. And we're going to talk about that today. You know, how do we forgive ourselves? How do we forgive ourselves? Has anybody ever been in that situation? Uh, other than me? <laughs> yes. I'm in it now. Well, and, and, and we're going to talk about that today. Yes, we are. Okay. And I'm just going to give just a little glimpse of that. Is it right to hold a grudge? No. Bible's real clear about that. Why do we? Because uh, our human emotions. Why do we hold a grudge? Against ourselves. Mm -hmm. have, you, have you thought about that? I think it's sometimes hard for us to truly believe that if we've done something so horrible that we don't know how we could forgive somebody if they did that to us or, or vice versa. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around the concept that God could truly forgive it. And that's a wonderful point. It, it's a salient point. It's a tough point, but it, it's, it's a salient point. Um, what are we doing in effect when we do this? Or what are we uh, doing to God? Uh, it's like filling the blank. You never are we limiting, maybe I'll say it that way, are we limiting God's power when we think that He forgives us and forgets, but we cannot forgive ourselves? Who are we limiting? We're limiting God. Well, I know, but he done. I did all of this, and God said, "Really? My arm's not shortened. I know exactly what you did. You can't hide anything from Him, and I forgave you of that." Here's an idea: forgive yourself. You're holding a grudge, Margie. You get it twice today. <clears throat> You're holding a grudge against yourself. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do it. And does that make a little bit of sense? That sometimes we're, <coughs> we, we don't hold grudges against other people. We try not to. 
be able to hold a grudge against yourself. <clears throat> and it hurts God when we do it. Well, it does. It, it, we're saying, God, we don't have the trust that we need. Yeah. We, 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 we don't know if you have quite have enough power to, to cleanse me. That's what we're saying. Oh, that's a tough one. No, that's easy said. It's easy to sit there and say that. Easy to say. But it's, it's sometimes, boy, the mind is a complex thing, and we have a tough time with that, don't we? So, so even though as Christians we know, we have a knowledge that we're not supposed to hold grudges against others, why do we still have, you know, sometimes have a tendency to do it? Is it just our human emotions? It's probably being, a, be, being, being human, but it's something, no, no, it is human. It's human nature. Uh, when someone treats you wrong, to what? I'll get you, first chance I get. That's, that's the way we used to be. But it's hard sometimes, got to be honest about it, to, 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 to not fall back a little bit in the end of that. Because when somebody, was Jesus treated badly? Big time. Big time. To the point where he lost his life. Um, how did he? What does he tell us to do with our enemies? Hard to do, but what does he say? Pray for, Pray for them. Love your enemies. Oh, that's got personal right there. Do good to them. Do good to them. And it will bring coals of fire on their head. It'll even make people like that feel guilty. If you do what's right. Take her. I think it also is like um, you are sometimes feeling like tempted to, you know, just react the way that you mm -hmm. initially feel versus trusting that God has a better plan, or like if you trust that if you act the right way or respond the right way or show them love, then that's what you're actually supposed to do. And you can trust that, like, there's a better, maybe something that you can't see in the future, right? But something better if you. It's don't a great point. Hold that it's a great point. Is that comfortable sometimes? No. Was it comfortable hanging on a cross? No, it wasn't. But it's the right thing to do. But it, 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 it can be a very, very tough thing to do. Uh, Joan? So I had an interesting experience. Um, I had a doctor ask me to write some, down something that I remembered from every year that I lived, as far back as I could remember. Just one thing from every year. And if you had asked me before I'd done, I had done this, if I held a grudge against anyone, I would have said no. But when I did that, a whole bunch of those times of things that I remembered that mm -hmm. came to my mind first uh -huh. was somebody had done something to me, and I remembered it. Yeah. And that's when I realized I had to go back and forgive myself for holding on to that. I had a grudge against it. It's a wonderful point. And I didn't even realize it. Didn't realize. I, I've heard that before where people will say, write down what's bothering you. Don't, don't show anybody, don't give to anybody, don't oh, mail no. to anybody. But just, you have to dig deep when you start doing that. And sometimes you can get to the root cause of, of, of what the problem is. 
And oftentimes, it's back back to what you you were saying. Um, I, I've seen that work before. Write write things down. What's bothering you? And then start trying to analyze that. And oftentimes, you, you uh, it's like a light bulb will come on. And nobody in this room knows me better than Veronica. But she also knows that that uh, sometimes it's hard for me to let something go when when somebody you feel like has done you done you wrong. But it's something you gotta work on. It's something you gotta work on. In my early, early in my twenties and had a terrible temper. I just assume fight as, as not. Let's drop the gloves and we'll go. I know that that's 50 years ago. I get it. No more than 50 years ago. But So I've had to work hard over the decades to, to, to get rid of all of that. And sometimes the devil, the devil never sleeps. He knows what my weaknesses are. He knows what your weaknesses are. And what will he do? He'll leave you for a while till the right time. And here he is back again. And, and you, in some cases, you fall again. What do you do? You get up. You repent. In fact, how many times did Jesus... Remember Peter? We talked about this before. Peter said, he, very normal, he said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive these people? Seven times? What Jesus Himself said. Seventy times seven. Seventy times seven, Peter. You, do you not get it yet? You've been with me for three years. Do you not get it? So what is 70 times 7? That's, that's an unlimited number, basically. That's what those numbers represent. So Jesus is saying, yes, you're going to fall. Yes, you got to pick yourself up. And then next week, you go, I just did the same thing I did two weeks ago. Well, there's no hope for me. What did Jesus say? Just repent. Repent. Tell me you're sorry. And try not to do it again. And I'll forgive you again. And I, and I forget it again. Uh, easier said than done. But that, that's just what this is all about. Yeah, Mitch, I think that that's the whole point of what we're talking about. God forgives us, but we remember. That memory keeps coming back. It does. It's hard to get rid of. It's hard to get rid of. But... We know that God forgives us. He's actually forgotten it. It's us that's having to deal with it. Yep. But we have to remember that, G that God has forgiven us. It's a great point, Jan. And we can use, I think we can use that to be able to extend mercy to others. Help I, us extend mercy bingo. to I think that's such a good point. Both of those were excellent points. Let's say that one more time, Jan, just a little bit louder. I think this is so positive. I just think we can use that when we get frustrated with ourselves and realize we can use that to help us extend mercy to others because mercy means it's not it's not mercy if it's if it's, it's the word. <laughs> no, I just lost. It. But um, we grace. can be a, we can be of help to others yeah. who are struggling with the same thing. You know what Christians are supposed to do? Help each other. Um, yes, I struggle with this. In my younger days, I was a heavy drinker. I don't now. I haven't for over 50 years. 
But I tell you what, I, I can be empathetic and sympathetic and understanding to people who have that problem. I can tell you that. Even after all these years. Why? Because I've, I've walked in those shoes. So whatever it happens to me, fill in the blank. Lying. Uh, it doesn't matter. Stealing, cheating, uh, sexual immorality. Yeah, you fill in the blank. And, and, and everybody in this room at one time had some of those problems. Well, you can work with people who have those problems. And not in an accusatory way. People don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear some old guy up here say, well, you know, just stop doing that. Well, that's easy said. They want somebody to sit down with them don't have to be in a public thing. You talk. Let them talk and you listen. Taylor? I think it's important to remember like your path as well. Like when you are trying to either help somebody or if you see somebody who's struggling with something, even if it's not the same thing that you struggled with, to just remember where you started, how long it took you to get to where you are, and while you want to get them to be there with you right then, to be patient with them and understanding and like, okay, where was my heart at at the beginning? Or maybe I was unaware of A, B, or C, and so it took a while to get there. Um, and I think that's something that was really helpful to me is like people like you or, you know, people who you think have it all together and realize, yes, they've grown so much, but at one point there was something that you could even relate to them on or um, things that they still struggle with. And I think while we want to be that example of you know being as Christ-like as possible, we are still human and that it's it can be misleading to others if you're like, oh, I don't do all of this stuff and just pretend like nothing is a problem. Right. And so being open with, I still struggle with human things, yep. I think is very helpful for people who aren't there yet. Uh, wonderfully said. Um, sometimes we can come across, particularly people my generation and even older, someday you'll be perfect like me. <laughs> really? <laughs> come on. We've, we've been there and we have the appreciation. Uh, like, look around for people. Like, uh, both of my parents are gone. I can relate to people who have lost their parents. Sometimes we say, well, I understand. Well, you really don't. You can have the sympathy and the empathy, but you don't. Look for people that are in your, maybe, where you have been, and see if you can help them. And you can, then you can honestly say, I do understand. Because some things I don't understand. I've not been there yet. Um, and who knows but these things are a preparation for us so we down the road can look for people and help people in our in, that, that, in a situation we've been in. Does that make sense? It's what you're saying, it's what Jan was saying, that others are shaking their head, John and others. Um, that's what Christianity is about. You know, we look good, we smell good, all that. That's the easy part for two or three hours on Sunday, what can we do on Monday for somebody? Or Tuesday? And so on. It requires us to let down our guard. Well, ooh, you get personal now, Homer. 
and you got to get to know one another. Otherwise, I'm not going to have any idea what you struggled with, or you're not going to know what I've been struggling with here lately. That's true. Now, anybody in here, raise your hand, who who likes the feeling of being vulnerable. <laughs> I didn't think so. But sometimes you have to become vulnerable in your conversations for people to, for you to understand other people and them to understand you. Because we, we all walk around with a shield, don't we? Quite often. That's what our society, unfortunately, sometimes you've got to let that down so we can understand one another. How do we understand one another? Got to be around one another, number one. I've, I've found, too, that if you wear a smile, you know, Christian people should be the happiest people in the world. And a lot of times we'll go around with this long face, and poor me, but I've, especially where I live, um, that if you wear a smile, it will attract people to you. They, they want to know, oh, how can you be happy? You know, you're old and you're sick and you're... Uh, <laughs> and how can you be happy? Well, there's just one reason. And you get a chance to tell them. Absolutely. And as we're all getting older, you know, I, I joke with my grandkids sometime when I was... When I was 16, they looked at me and go, you were 16? <laughs> I know that's a shocker, but yes. But as you get older, a lot, many of us are heading toward the sunset. I mean, heading rapidly toward the sunset. You better get that life squared away before you, the sun sets on your life. And the, and the thing about it, you don't have to be old sometimes for that sun to set on you prematurely. Better be ready. You better be ready. We don't know when we're going to leave this earth. But you better be ready. Good point. Good point. Um, now, uh, anything else? Oh, Chris. So, sometimes you, you feel lonely, too, whenever you're having an issue. And it's, it's definitely an encouragement when you find that someone else has had that same Probably Absolutely. Absolutely. And how would we know that? They have to tell us. And here's another thing. It's incumbent upon the receiver to, to listen. But it's, but it's also incumbent upon the person with the problem to do what? We're not mind readers. Jesus was. We're far from that. If, we, if you don't tell somebody... You say, well, nobody cares. What? I, maybe nobody knows. You've got to kind of let people know. And if you do that, you become vulnerable. Ugh. Now we're back to that again. Uh, and Brock, I'm going to come to you now. I would say kind of to that point, I think it's also important for us to keep in mind that if God tells us He's not going to give us anything that He knows that we can't handle. And while temptation is very real, I truly believe sometimes that we have those temptations and have those things that we have to overcome because on kind of what Taylor said, on our path, those things that we're overcoming that we're struggling with can help us help others and can help us be more vulnerable and see those opportunities when other people are being vulnerable and struggling with the same things we are. Sometimes there's a, I don't want to say a purpose, but sometimes mm -hmm. there's a reason behind why we have 
we, why we are faced with the challenges that we are. Yes, Brock, I'm coming to you just real quick. I hope Taylor doesn't mind. Taylor's been a Christian maybe for two years. I've been a Christian for 61 years. How in the world could she possibly know as much about the Bible as someone like a Don Johnson who's been a Christian for 70 something years? Everybody started, you started day one. And you think, well, I don't know as much as he. Well, you probably don't. He didn't either after two years or one year or one week or one month or whatever. But you start on that road and you grow. It's all about growth. It's all about growth. Maybe some that grow slower than others. Are you growing? Yes. God's okay with that. Run. Well, we kind of got off. <laughs> I know, I, I do. But that's okay. Uh, when we were talking about, you know, what Chris was saying, you know, it's helpful to know somebody else and when you can talk with somebody that's been through what you've been through. Mm -hmm. Another aspect of that is trust. Uh, they have to trust that you're not going to, you know, that it can sometimes stay between you two as long as you're right. talking, that right. it doesn't get uh, spread around, you know, maybe yeah. because in order to open up, you've got to be able to trust the person that's listening, that you're talking you to. You better. Yeah. Because if it gets out, you know, say, like, okay, Dennis, you and I are going to talk about this, this is between you and me. It better stay between you and me. Otherwise, is he going to trust me again? No. Am I going to, I'm going to trust him again? No. It is about trust. It's about trust. And you grow that. You grow that. That's a good point. It's trust. It's not, a, it's not information for the sake of information. Big difference. It's information on how I might be able to help you. Or how you might help me. I need help sometimes too. Do not talk to Veronica about it. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're talking about people reaching out to us when they need help, but isn't it also our job to keep an eye on Absolutely. the people who are around us? What are we gathering just from their from their eyes, from their body language. And so often people are too scared, uncertain to reach out and ask for that help. And isn't it our job to ask, are you okay? Do you need anything? And open up that door because otherwise they may never get the help that they need. Absolutely. It's a wonderful observation. We, here, but back to Tom, we gotta know each other. Uh, I noticed, you know, you're not doing it in front of people, well, you know, John, here I am with 20 other people. I noticed, no, you're not going to do that. I noticed that you seem a little down. And if you, if you got that emotion wrong, they'll tell you, I'm not down. But it, are you seem a little, like something, are you okay? Everything, everything going all right? Or has anything changed? Try to stay away from yes and no answers. Open-ended, uh, if you can word that in open-ended questions so that they get to talk a little bit and you okay yep <laughs> well all right I did my job uh, there, there's ways to do that but yes we have to be observant we have to be observant really good that's a little bit well not off by much but sometimes I think we just need to talk um, and, and this is this is Hebrews, uh, but yet it, it's it's very important 
conversations and observations uh, in Hebrew. And I appreciate all of your good comments. So many good comments. Wow. Um, a lot better than anything I can say. So. Uh, thank you all. We'll do chapter 10 on uh, start on Wednesday night. Thank you, thank you.